Do you believe there is more to your career than waiting for the gold watch in 40 years? Did you know that the average American spends 200 hours a year commuting to a job they probably hate? Does it frost your ass to get a 2% raise that barely keeps up with the rate of inflation? Have you ever worked for a boss hole? We know how you feel, and we want to help. Welcome to the Boss Free Society Podcast, your entertaining entrepreneur therapy session with your hosts, Tim Wambach and Patty Dominguez. Couch not included. Tim, we are live. How are you? I'm great. We're back in the studio. I love, love, love doing our podcast, Patty. Me too. I agree completely. I'm particularly excited about today's guest. Yeah, you we have Jennifer Ellis. This is great. Yeah, so I've known Jennifer Ellis hyphen Jackson since 1997, I believe. So this is going way back when we were first starting out in our career and she was a marketer. So she's going to share her nuggets of wisdom for moving over to the boss free society way of living. And uh, she's got a ton of information to share. So I'm excited. Yeah, this, you know, what's really great about, you know, doing these podcasts with you, Patty, is that, you know, you bring your circle of influence on to interview, I bring my circle of influence on to interview, and we just get this great, well-rounded mix of people and talent, and, and it's awesome to, to just learn from all different types of, of entrepreneurs. Totally agree. The ecosystem is growing, my friend. So let's go ahead and get started with Jennifer Ellis Jackson. Thank you, Patty and Tim, for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. We are excited as well. Thanks for joining us. So I'd like to do a little bit of an intro with Jennifer. Um, Jennifer has an amazing background. So she grew up in the Mississippi Delta, uh, watching business owners surviving instead of thriving. And so you say that most business owners, um, they do love what they did, but they didn't know how to brand market or make money uh, for themselves to create the life they desired. So what you do, Jennifer, is teach business owners how to grow their brand by clearly communicating their message, increasing customer loyalty, creating leads and making more money. And then in the process, uh, by showing them the proper coaching and tools that you have, you help them to move their business forward and really assist them to make more money while ultimately living the life of their dreams. In your off time, because you have so much time, you are married and a parent of a teenager in high school, and you're an avid yogi. You're actually uh, a yoga teacher, and you've completed several marathons. I don't know the number exactly, but uh, six. Okay, I was going to say eight. I thought it was eight, but I know that you've done enough to be considered a legit marathoner. <laughs> so we're really happy to have you here, Jennifer. It's such a pleasure for me because I've known you for so long and I've just seen your business, your career, your brand grow uh, tremendously. So I want to know, because I don't think I know this, but you talk about how you grew up in the South and do you really think that that's played like a really big role in you becoming an entrepreneur? Growing up in the South was the most critical thing that finally forced me to leave the corporate work first and become an entrepreneur. I saw business owners in the South who were passionate about their business, but they didn't know what to do. They knew what they knew in terms of their craft, but they didn't know how to make money and make a successful living, whatever that meant. So they were so focused on just making ends meet and didn't really have the resources or avenues to be able to teach them how to just go beyond what they knew. So I thought that it's critical 
that business owners have resources and more importantly, a community to help them thrive and be successful and leverage their skills while at the same time pursuing what they enjoy. So one thing for me growing up in the South is the mentality is people will have to struggle. Nobody can be successful financially. And I kept seeing so many different things outside of that. So as I started to learn in the corporate workforce, I wanted to be able to take what I learned and what I knew and to be able to translate that and share that information with other entrepreneurs. So that has been the impetus for me. And to also be able to teach entrepreneurs that they can form a community and connect and form authentic relationships versus always being in such a competitive mindset and like, oh, Patty's over here doing her thing. I'm doing my thing. Why not come together to collaborate, to engage each other, to share best practices? And so that's one thing that I did not see happening in the South. And unfortunately, it's still happening today. And that's why so many business owners are not successful, because they're just not willing to share. We already know that we can share all of our information that we have, all of our nuggets, all of our knowledge with other people. But if they can't implement it and execute it, then it goes without ears. But it's such a scarcity mentality that people can't help each other. And I think that's ridiculous because we know there's enough abundance and just enough knowledge, wealth, information for all of us to thrive. So that's my that's that's really what I that is not really that is what I intend to do and continue to do to help entrepreneurs. That is absolutely fabulous. I love the way you spun that or I mean, spinning that may be the wrong word, but being able to share in the abundant mindset. Too many people don't practice that. And I think, you know, by you helping those people see a different path, you know, that really opens a lot of doors. The biggest thing I, that I've learned is it's not the skills. It really is the mindset. People get up, come to work every day. They put in the hours, they put in the time. But to show them how they can do things better and differently, it's just a mind shift. Mindset shift. Say that. Spending, <laughs> 10, spending 10 minutes every day just doing something differently or learning different skills. Unfortunately, entrepreneurs are sometimes we, we, are, we are risk averse to our own detriment. And as entrepreneurs, we have to continue to be willing to take risks because we are out here in a whole different set of worlds. We create our own income. We create our customer base. We create our brand. We do what is necessary in order for us to grow and thrive. But to show other entrepreneurs who've just been boxed in, like each month I got to make the rent, start to dream, start to visualize, start to figure out what it is that you want and then lay out the steps that's necessary to do that. That's what I find. I spend the bulk of my time talking to entrepreneurs about not necessarily what they do or what they can do, but what they should aspire to do or what they really are passionate about. Because in reality, in the world that we live in today, nobody talks about what we like or what we enjoy. It's all about just making our mortgage payments or making our car note payments or making sure that we have the appropriate health insurance. Very few people are talking about dreams and aspirations and living big. And so that's a very new conversation, especially for entrepreneurs that I work with and, and for my community in the South. I love this. So do you think that, and I, I kind of know the answer to this, but I'm really um, curious as your take on the evolution of this. Do you think that you started to understand that mentality in corporate America, or is this something that came because you, you know, kind of cannonballed into entrepreneurship? I got none of this in corporate America. I am speaking Greek and using hieroglyphics in terms of the language because this does not exist in corporate America. It's all about what's the, what's the number for the next quarter? What can we do? How can we move forward? And, and rightly so. There's certainly a place for that. But I, I think even in corporate America and even in entrepreneurship, if we really look at living a lifestyle or really helping other people, 
we will thrive. We just can't grow in our own little box. So if you've seen the value, the tremendous value of that mindset piece of it, say we have Boss Re Society people that are listening to us that are looking to transition from a job, from a nine to five into entrepreneurship. I have a perspective on this too, but what would be your recommendation for how to start to understand the mindset component of it? Because it sounds like with your coaching, that is one of the pivotal aspects to help take people to the next level. Those people who are looking to become boss free to transition from the nine to five really have to do some soul searching because it will be a challenge to shift. It probably won't happen overnight, but they really have to understand where their values are, what they are committed to doing? Are they willing to put in the work? Because it will be very different from getting up every day, going into a nine to five versus pursuing entrepreneurship or something outside of a structured environment. So they really have to figure out what motivates them, what drives them. We've heard it a million times. What is their why? Is their why about having more lifestyle freedom? Is it why about spending more time with their children? Is there why about just having freedom to think, breathe outside of a structured environment. So first of all, we have to figure out what drives us, what motivates us, what's really our why, and then start to surround ourselves with people who are where we want to be. And then more importantly, what is it that we're going to do? So we have to do the work in terms of laying out a game plan, a strategy, a roadmap in order to get there and be realistic. When I say be realistic, I'm not saying that you can't be successful and make money within the first 90 days of transitioning from your job, because we certainly know that's not true. But be realistic about the time, work and commitment that they're willing to put in in order to achieve what it is that they want to achieve. And as an entrepreneur, we know everything is evolutionary. So we may start initially focusing on one thing, but we continue to evolve. So they just have to really, from a mindset standpoint, be willing to put into the work, to ask themselves, what do they want, learn the skills, commit, and then go out and get it done. There's no book for entrepreneurship. There are courses or classes, but it's a lot of trial and error, growing pains, but it's so amazing what we learn about ourselves when we pursue this path that I couldn't even imagine not doing this. 10 years ago, but we know things happen for a reason. And I'm so grateful and thankful that I am where I am today. So that's what I can share for a person who is looking to become boss free. I think everyone should do it. We all can be successful. And there's no reason why we shouldn't pursue what it is that we want to. Yeah, it sounds like you're really what you're describing is someone who's adaptable and kind of like a chameleon kind of, you know, becoming part of their surroundings because every business is different. And everyone, you know, every boss who or every uh, business owner has different needs and d- different goals like you were talking about different vision so you have to really take into consideration all those things when you know you're taking the plunge so to speak and you know I think what you're saying is I mean you're definitely speaking our language there's no doubt about that how long have you been an entrepreneur it's um, a year and a half it's a year and a half and Tim I just wanted to piggyback on something that you said it's adaptability it's flexibility it's also transparency and it's blatant honesty Every day I ask myself, did I do what was necessary to move my business forward? And probably about 50% of the time, the answer is no. (laughs) Have I been lazy? Have I really stuck to the guns? So I have to dust myself off and figure out, okay, what is it that I need to do? Spend chair time to really be productive. So it's still, it's a different mindset. It's a different habit but we really have to be 100% accountable. So one thing that I started to look into do is look in the mirror and say, 
was I the best version of myself? I could learn this from um, Andy Murphy from Mindset by Design. And if I was not, then what can I do tomorrow or even later on today to make sure that I'm being the best version of myself? So it's really about adaptability, flexibility, transparency, and honesty, because now I don't no longer have a manager to say, is this done? Am I going to hit the number or whatever it is, the commitments that I make? My commitments are 100% to myself. So you really have to have those conversations and those gut checks. Gut checks, and not to necessarily be hard on yourself, but we all know that we can do a little bit more. So it's just a self-discipline and hate to sound like a broken record, but we really have to just be focused. My theme for this year is focus, consistency, and productivity. <laughs> just staying focused. Would you say that that's the biggest aha moment you've had since you started um, into your boss-free journey over these 18 months about that self-discipline or what kind of helped you close the gap there? It's definitely been the focus, been focused and being part of a community who will be honest and make sure that I'm accountable to myself. I mean, I can share what I'm doing with other people, but making sure that I'm just that I, that I have a checkpoint or an ability to be able to check in with different people. But it's definitely the focus and consistency, just putting in the consistent work. If it's blocking out two hours of time just to do a certain task, then making sure that that's done so I can continue to move forward. I have to be able to see that I'm being able to check off the box or hitting certain roadmaps in order to be able to move forward. And you talked about being a part of a community. Did is that something that you pay for? How did you find this community? Because I, I think that's one of the biggest support nets that somebody that is venturing into entrepreneurship that they can really dive into. So is this a touch and go? What level? You know, did you pay for it? How, how did that work out for you? I have a couple of different communities. I have um, a couple of paid communities or three paid communities and one unpaid community. But absolutely for any entrepreneur where you've been an entrepreneur for 50 years or for five days, it is important to find a community to be able to resource with, network with, learn with. I'm going to quote Jim Rohn because it's necessary, <laughs> but we know we're the average of the five people that we spend more time with. So it is important to talk to other entrepreneurs or even as a yogi or a runner. You need to be surrounded by those people who understand what your challenges are, who can help you benchmark and can explain what opportunities that you may have because they're completely objective. So I value paid communities, paid mastermind, paid coaching, paid training, as well as finding people who are like-minded, who are interested and willing to commit and put in the work to help themselves grow as well as be a sounding board or a community of support for you. So I, I definitely value both. For any person who's becoming boss free, take the time, interview people, fi uh, find the appropriate group for you. You may have some groups that you may think is a fit. You may have to try them out, but it's absolutely necessary to be around the same people because you see people who are at different levels. So you see the person who's been an entrepreneur for 10 years, who's at a whole different level. And you're like, wow, I can do this. This is what I aspire to be. And then you see the person who's like me, who's been in at, at it for a very short amount of time who is still having some of the same growing pain, some of the challenges, and so we can bounce ideas and best practices off each other. So absolutely, when you're building your budget or building out whatever it, it, you need to do in order to become boss-free, allocate some resources, financial resources, as well as time resources for coaching, training, and development. You can be the smartest person. You can be a CEO that's leaving a company or a vice president of marketing or a CMO or whatever your title was. But when you hit that entrepreneurial path, 
there is a big learning curve because in the corporate structure or in the job structure, we have structure, we have resources. As an entrepreneur, you don't have those things. And so we know what we know because we know what our skill sets are, but we need to be able to tap into a community that can help us with our website or whatever it is that we're looking to pursue. That's excellent. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of nuggets there that you've been talking about. This, I hope people out there in our Boss Free Society uh, peeps out there are really taking notes because, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, about, you know, self-discipline and, you know, focusing and, and all these different aspects of, you know, being boss free. So I guess being more specific, what is your focus maybe for this year for your business? Where are you kind of streamlining your, that focus? My focus this year is to move away from heavy consulting to do more things online. So really getting my lead generation funnel built established and working properly. I spent a lot of time and resources last year doing it incorrectly, which was great because I thought, oh, this is simple. I can read and I can get this going. <laughs> Absolutely not the case. So as a person who is boss free, do not oversimplify anything because even though it appears to be simple, there's a lot of work and thought process that goes behind a lot of the things we do. So my focus really this year is lead generation for myself as well as lead generation for the folks that I work with for the target clients that I have. So showing them how they can be present offline as well as online and to really get people into my funnel so I can have more of a consistent income and not focus more so on the consulting and be able to spend more time teaching, coaching and mentoring small business and entrepreneurs. That's awesome. So since this is really kind of your sweet spot in terms of helping business owners, have you drilled it down to a niche? Would you recommend somebody picking a niche? And then how do you take people through as you talked about that funnel, right, from beginning to end, just to give people a perspective on transferring their knowledge, let's say, from a corporate America job for them to identify who they can help and then how they can help. So let's use maybe a, a high-level framework of how you've modeled your business so that people can get an idea. I initially thought that I could just help any small businesses who are in the service and fitness and health and wellness industry. <laughs> and boy, was I wrong. So the first thing that everyone has to do is really select a niche. We can't be all things to all people in different industries while we may be in service or whatever, or even small manufacturing, we still have unique needs. So I have narrowed my focus down to beauty professionals. So salon owners, hairstylists, and makeup artists, because I like the transformational aspect of beauty. It's not just about a nice haircut or a beautiful face, but it's really about how the person feels. So I want to be able to take help people in the beauty industry be able to just not rely on word of mouth and advertising and show them how they can build an online presence to create leads. So the first thing is to identify a target market, so a niche. One thing to do is figure out what's called a customer avatar or figure out the psychographics and demographics of who a target audience is. So when I say psychographic and demographics are, is more than their 25 to 44, because obviously that's probably 40% of the population, but what are some of those inherent fundamental things that they need, that they desire, that motivates them to purchase your product or service? So that's the second thing in terms of identifying the avatar and then find out where those people are offline and online, what they enjoy. And then more importantly, build out the strategy. So from the website standpoint, whether or not you're going to be present online, offline, social media. So it's really a 
iterative process and then figure out how to drive those people to your particular website or your social media site in order to create that funnel so you can start to interact and engage with them. So it's really about building a community first and then start to sell and interact with those folks. So that is a process that I'm following in order to build my funnel and as well as teaching beauty professionals how to build their funnel as well. That's awesome. That's awesome. So is this something that um, have you started to build your tribe and what would be some suggestions uh, for people who are in that process of kind of creating that community that you talked about? I have started to build my tribe. So I have started to use networking and social media in order to identify hairstylists, beauty professionals that are influencers or even those that aren't influencers, but those who just have an online presence. So I spent a lot of time doing case studies, looking at their business, even just doing cold calls, talking to them to start to create some credibility. One thing that I've done is I've identified two clients to work with for free to build a business case to show them what I can do and what working with me can do in order to be able to take this back to a larger community and show them some things that they can be able to leverage in their own business. So I'm starting to network more, starting to join different groups, create my own community, doing a lot of meetups, doing a lot of Google Hangouts, specifically with hairstylists and makeup artists, just teaching them about branding as well as how to create leads, generate leads. What's the biggest need that hairstylists have that that you are trying to fill or that you're showing them a different way of how to filling that? The biggest need that they have is just to not rely on one way to get customers. 95% of it is word of mouth. They are doing more with social media, but they're just doing it to create a presence. They're not thinking about leads, conversion, and generating more clients. So I'm teaching them, if you have a community of 500 people who you have an interaction with on your mailing list, you're getting people's email, but you're not doing anything with, you should be able to convert those people and get more income out of them or sell them additional products or services. So different things like that. So they know, again, they know what they know in terms of doing hair. Right. They are using social media and their brand, but just to get a bigger presence, not necessarily to get them more money. So I'm like, you have this list. Let's, let's turn that list in some additional revenue for you. So that's That's what I'm teaching them. That's great. You know, can I go back to the fact that you offered pro bono to work with two different businesses? I mean, that is showing hustle, right, to build those case studies. What is the fine line between people not appreciating what you're giving to them? Because you've kind of taken your career of 15 years plus in corporate America with your master's, you know, having been a a brand manager for Fortune 100 companies, etc. I mean, how do you control this kind of fine line where you're offering your time and talent in exchange for that case study, but more importantly, have you seen a gap where people aren't really implementing what you're teaching? So how does somebody who is looking to offer up their time, how do you put some parameters around that so you're not kind of taken advantage of? First of all, it took me probably four months (laughs) just to find two people because they didn't think I was serious. Of course, they thought, not of course, but they thought that there had to be some hidden cost or hidden agenda. So I really had to interview and really build a relationship with the two people that I chose to do the case study with. Secondarily, I had them basically sign a statement of work showing what I would deliver 
on a specific time, me sign a statement of work so that they could understand that I was serious about the case study and helping their business grow. Once we established a relationship and I started to show them small things, then I was able to execute my complete plan. But it really, in terms of not being taken advantage of, you just really have to find the right person, right person to partner with if you are doing some pro bono type work, depending on what your business needs are and just really be clear about what the expectations and the deliverables are. So because the free stuff was working so well, they're like, oh, well, can you redesign my website? I'm like, well, no, <laughs> because that's not within the scope of work. So the, the answer to your question is just be very deliberate about what it is that they're going to get in a specific time frame, and then let them know that they may not see anything immediately for their business. But fortunately, I was very fortunate because I just worked with one salon on just sending out a newsletter consistently. And so as they started to get people to open their newsletter and book appointments, they were like, oh, wow, this is working. What else can I do? So just a small win helped me establish my credibility and gave me an opportunity to be able to implement more. And then secondarily, I was able to leverage that and be able to charge and get income from just some small things that I was able to show them. So I think that's really a killer yeah, it's a great strategy. Um, so again, just putting some parameters around what you're willing to do pro bono, um, having that statement of work, and then as you go along the way, um, showing them that value so that then organically they're just going to hire you for more work and certainly refer you to other people. So that that's awesome. It's a great yeah. approach. So tell me, Jennifer, um, knowing what you know now, having been in corporate as long as you were in corporate and then moving over to the entrepreneur side of things, you know, you are a parent to a teenager. I mean, how does that, you know, as she's going to school, potentially looking at colleges and migrating it over into career, I guess, what would be the recommendation or the good counsel that you would offer her as she is looking at potential careers? Has that conversation come up about becoming an entrepreneur? The conversation has not come up about becoming an entrepreneur. So what I am telling her is to pursue what it is that you enjoy do and don't necessarily buy into that I have to go to college in order to be successful. So I'm saying that to say, choose what it is that you enjoy first and figure out how to get there. So for example, I've started her on her own personal <laughs> development plant path with reading books and listening to different podcasts. Um, often we're in the car. I'm a big fan of podcasts. I listen to Mechanic to Millionaire. It's one of my favorites. And so I have her listening to that. Also like Ty Rosick's podcast. So I'm starting her to pursue self-education outside of the formal education. So one, I think that once we expose teens or young people to different ideas and different avenues, then they will pursue or understand that going to college is not necessarily the path that they should pursue. Also, too, because of her interest, I'm telling her that she should really understand what it is that she wants to do and then figure out how to get there. So, again, the traditional college, get a job may not be the path for her, but just letting her know that there are possibilities that exist versus just going to college and getting a job because that's all I was ever taught. Nobody ever said anything about entrepreneurship. I sort of knew, not not sort of, I knew that I was interested in working for myself because my dad always had 55 different jobs. And I was like, wow, there has to be a way to be able to just do one thing and do it well versus being spread across 55 different places. So my advice is just 
figure out what it is that you want to do and find a mentor and then help you get to where you are interested in. But I also tell them too, that if they want freedom, then they should definitely pursue entrepreneurship because they're not going to get it from a job. That's just my opinion. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So wrapping up here and what would you say that like, your sage advice that you have for other boss-free society peeps out there that are, are wanting to become boss-free that may, you know, may have uh, one foot out the door and one foot behind them and just trying to figure out how they're going to make it happen? The one sage advice that I would have for anybody who is considering boss-free, who has a feeling in their gut but they don't know what to do with it, you have to remove fear. Fear is a disservice. You have to let go of the what ifs and make the what ifs. And also you cannot worry about what Tim or Patty or Jennifer is going to think. If I all of a sudden quit my job, you have to go with your instinct, go with your gut. If you're being pulled away from your current job or your current career to do something bigger, greater, then go do it. It's incumbent upon you to have a plan, have a roadmap, and just go do it. You will sleep easier at night, or you may not, but just the excitement (laughs) is what we owe ourselves to just pursue what we love and what we enjoy. That is the sage advice. Get rid of fear. Tell it to F off. (laughs) (laughs) That's the way I like to roll. Yeah. So honestly, Jennifer, this has been um, a really a great show because you brought so much to the table, um, some actionable advice that people can take in their own business. And more importantly, a lot of the mindset stuff that I think is a critical component to really moving forward in the right direction. So wishing you tremendous luck, not luck, tremendous good fortune in 2015, because I know that you are on the right path to success. And we have a Boss Free Society offer from Jennifer and Simple Mantra Marketing is a 45 minute complimentary consultation for your business brand strategy and for marketing and lead generation. So if you are serious, not just curious about taking your business to the next level, definitely uh, get in contact with Jennifer Ellis from Simple Mantra Marketing. We are going to put her link to her website, um, her email, and all her social media handles in our show notes, um, but you can find her on Facebook at, uh, so it would be facebook.com forward slash jennifer.ls1 on Twitter at J-E-R-E-N-E-L-L-I-S. We'll put it in the show notes. That was hard. Or at Simple Mantra Market MKT. So thank you, Jennifer, again for imparting these nuggets of wisdom. And we are proud to have you be a part of the Boss Re Society. Woo-hoo. Thank you so much, Tim and Patty. I'm super psyched for you and for your podcast and looking for great things from you guys as well. So I appreciate it. I have something to say to our listeners right now. I think that this is an episode that I think you should listen to again because there's a lot of little subtle things that Jennifer was talking about that is highly, highly important that could just kind of skip by you. So I I think this is something that uh, you guys should listen to again. I would agree, TW. Great nuggets, especially around mindset, guys. That is a really big component that that people don't really talk about enough so that people can understand because you're transitioning from a job, a J-O-B, into entrepreneurship. That mind work is absolutely essential. And Jennifer, actually, there's a whole other business side of, you know, there for you on the mindset front because it's huge. 
Yeah, I think that would be of tremendous value as you're moving forward. So, all right, guys. Well, thank you so much. Make sure to check us out on Boss Free Dojo or Boss Free Society on Facebook, Google Plus, and Twitter, and all the other social handles. Make sure to leave us a Positive review. A positive Positive review. review. Uh, Subscribe to our podcast. Go on iTunes and find us and like us because you know you like us. You're listening. If you're not listening, then you're not going to like us. But if if you're listening, you like us. So give us a rating. Give us a positive rating. And subscribe, (laughs) please. All right, guys. Have a good one. We'll see you next time. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Boss Free Society Podcast. If you want more... Connect with us on Facebook at Boss Free Society fan page, Twitter at Boss Free Society, or join our group of other boss-free-minded peeps at the Boss Free Dojo on Facebook.